even if Amazon only accounts for a small percent of my total sales, what happens on Amazon has an impact to every part of my business, selling, advertising, collecting data. They are getting richer, it seems, because they're taking the commission on every sale and this massive, to the tune of $31 billion in ad revenue. Where's the relief for the sellers? When they said, we need to figure out how to scale our last mile logistics, they decided to go build their own capabilities and built out you know, what is now known as the other Amazon DSP. Shopify comes out and says, we're gonna make a huge commitment into fulfillment. We're gonna spend $1 billion, right, on fulfillment in the next two years. Well, guess what? Amazon just spent $100 billion during COVID. How in the world can they compete with that? If we think of Amazon, the good old days versus where it is today, yeah, it's easy to say, I don't like the model now. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. With me today is my old friend and co-warrior in this Amazon selling game, James Thompson. James is a newly minted free agent after stepping down from the company he co-founded by Box Experts. James, welcome to the show. And what are you up to now? Still paying attention to what's going on at Amazon. And not a day goes by where there aren't major announcements that have major implications to sellers. As you and I have, have both taken part of our career to focus on how do you educate brands? How do you educate sellers? How do you help them understand what all these changes mean and how to essentially stay afloat with, with all the changes? So, you know, not, nothing changes with my role in terms of focusing on how do we help sellers? How do we help brands to do the right things by, by their business? So, is there floating, James? Because I, you know, I remember as a seller, I was kind of my head was below water with a tiny straw sticking out most of the time in this Amazon selling game. But uh, you know, it seems to me, going all the way back when you and I first met, you were the sports and outdoors category manager. I think at the time, probably the fourth, maybe our fourth category manager, and um, things were a lot simpler then. If you go back to that moment when we met, and by yeah. the way, folks, when I met James Thompson, it was in Seattle. We talked several times on the phone. I show up at Seattle headquarters, and there's a lot of these folks wearing Jeff Bezos blue dress shirt and sport coats and jeans. And, and then I see this guy coming at me with a Edmonton Oilers hockey jersey. says, I'm James Thompson. Hi, hi guys. Come, come and talk to me. And I knew immediately, James, that um, we were going to be good friends. You weren't, you weren't trying to be one of the clones over there and you always, always looked out for the seller. And I always appreciated that. But if you go back to that time uh -huh. and you think about it and can you, could you imagine Amazon being the size that it is today, the complexity that it is today, the juggernaut that it is today, all the way back when we first started talking back in, was it 06, 07, something like that? I joined Amazon because... I had already had the experience of being able to buy some CDs on Amazon. And I really liked collecting <laughs> music. And I thought, this is really cool that I go work for a company that sells the CDs that I buy. And then I show up at Amazon and it's like, oh, actually, we have all these other categories of products. I thought, okay, well, you know, that makes sense. I've never bought anything other than a CD on Amazon, but okay. You know, within two weeks of getting there, I had to buy some baby clothes because I had a new niece. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm buying a bunch of stuff that I would normally 
hate having to go into a store to buy. And I thought, okay, if I can buy stuff that I don't normally like having to shop in physical retail, you know, there might be something to this. And as Amazon kept adding categories, I thought, okay, yeah, this is good. It's, you know, it's reasonably quick. Amazon Prime as a concept was still fairly new. FBA was completely nascent. Uh, There was no such thing as Amazon advertising. The the game at that time was let's get brands, let's get sellers, let's get selection on the site. We'll worry about all the other stuff later. And quite frankly, if you could get a bunch of stuff on the site, you had a bigger store than anybody else. And that was exciting to customers. That was exciting to Amazon. By the time I got to maybe my third year, which is about 2010, the game had changed a little bit, which is we've got most of the big selection we need, the key brands. Now we need price competition. We need a third, fourth, tenth seller selling the same stuff because that's going to create price competition between and among sellers. And you know, everybody likes lower prices except the brands, but you know customers love lower prices. So let's go find ways to create lower prices by having this competition. You, you fast forward you know, to 2015, FBA is alive and well. All new sellers coming to Amazon are having to seriously consider, do they use FBA and come out of the gates quickly? Or do they continue to think that somehow their own puny little warehouse and doing deliveries or, excuse me, uh, fulfillment out of their own warehouse, that they'll be able to keep up with Amazon? Uh, no, I was no. one of them that could not. Well, you, you you were also in a situation where you were selling oversized products, which is extra extra challenging for FBA. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity in about 2010, 11, uh, to bring a bunch of large Amazon sellers who weren't using FBA to bring them on tours of some of the Amazon fulfillment centers. And it's this crazy situation where the sellers will walk in, they'd look around, you know, 2 million, 3 million square foot space with conveyor belts everywhere and just amazing technology, even, even back then. And they would say, oh, okay, I get it. So you can basically absorb every order that I'll have all year and it won't even be a drop in the bucket in this space. It's like, yeah, we, we can absorb, you know, 100,000 orders and no one's going to blink. And so a lot yeah. of sellers who weren't using FBA would say, well, maybe FBA is a good thing if I exceed my capacity in my warehouse. And by the time we got to 2013 or so, it became clear you have to be prime eligible to be relevant in organic search. Yeah. And, you know, by the time, uh, sorry, I'm jumping back and forth between times here, but you know, by 2015, Amazon uh, advertising has been launched. And it was one of those, hey, if you've got some extra money and you want to try to bump yourself to the front of the line, maybe you should think about doing some advertising. Well, at the same time, Amazon started in a big way recruiting overseas sellers who recognized quickly that if they spent a bunch of money on advertising and and decided to forego initial margins, but but decided as a result, they would get you know much better placement in organic search, or in this case, on the first page of search results, uh, maybe that was a good model for quickly ramping up. And if you combine that with FBA and you're prime eligible, gosh darn it, you could sell pretty much any widget. Even if the widget's not very good, you, you could sell the widget and get top placement. And the model for Amazon has moved away from we've got to have the 10 or 20 most important brands in any category to we got to have whatever's up there and any brand of any brand equity, good or bad, and anything in between, any of those companies is in a position to win top placement if they've got the margin to spend on advertising. It's a very different model, and brands have had to adjust and decide, is this the place we want to play? At the same time, 
Amazon has become absolutely massive in the e-commerce space. And so if you're a brand and you think that somehow you can ignore Amazon because, gosh, it only accounts for a small percent of my overall sales. I mean, that's, or you don't like them. It's complete nonsense. You know, it, yeah. it's a, it's an, a, if you don't have an active Amazon channel strategy, be that selling, advertising, collecting data, you know, you, you've got to have a strategy no matter what you're doing in every other channel where you happen to be selling. So, you know, that that's the big evolution in the last 15 years is uh, once upon a time, Amazon was this cool place where you could say, oh, I'll make a few extra dollars selling some stuff online, but it's not my primary channel to, oh gosh, I better have an active Amazon channel strategy that I pay great attention to because even if Amazon only accounts for a small percent of my total sales, what happens on Amazon has an impact to every part of my business, every channel in which I sell, every listing that I create, every ad campaign online or offline that I create, there's an Amazon implication. And you better understand this new language called Amazon. A hundred percent right. And there's been, you know, no better teacher out there than you to help communicate that, that language, that Amazon language, that Amazon business than, than you, James. I mean, just listening to your story, there's a lot of phases that you just went through. Two stories pop into my head as you as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Number one, the week before you called me at my office in LA saying, Jason, we got this thing called Fulfillment by Amazon. The week before you called, and we're going to take your inventory and we're going to store it, ship it for you. And guess what? You're going to get the Prime badge. And, and I was like, no, no, no. And then you said, but you'll get 30% increase in your sales. I'm like, give me the address. I'll send it tomorrow, <laughs> right? The week before in my warehouse, which was a sizable warehouse in Los Angeles, yeah. the guy was um, creating the pillows, you know, those air pillows sure. that go into the boxes to get stuff out the door. Sure. And in the front of this thing in big red letters with a circle, don't put your hand in the machine. That's what it said. Keep your hand away from the machine. And my guy had shoved his hand exactly where he wasn't supposed to. So a week before you called and said, I can take away that warehouse burden for you. I had rushed my guy to the emergency room to sew his hand back on because he had done something incredibly stupid in my warehouse. So I was like, heck yeah, I'll sign up for FBA. Where do we send it? And then you sprinkle in that you can get a 30% increase in revenue. It's just clearly a no brainer. Um, you know, the second part that I want to point out yeah. that, that, that reminds me, because I remember that. I remember getting that call from Amazon and saying, oh, sponsored products. You know, it's so cheap. It's a nickel a click. And I had a panic attack because I was, you know, I didn't start as an Amazon seller in 2002. I started as an e-commerce seller. And we were, I remember the good old days of paying a nickel a click to Overture, yep. who had invented pay-per-click advertising, later bought by Yahoo, uh, to drive traffic on the first page of all the Alta Vistas and the Everything Vistas websites that were out there at the time. And I remember how that movie ended. Yeah. It ended with going from a nickel a click yeah. to 50 cents, to yeah. $5, to $15. And I, I could no longer make money on the first sale when I was selling a basketball hoop or a pool table. So I, you know, I remember just going, this is bad. Sponsored products is bad. And here we are in a situation where, you know, that Nicola Click sure as hell's gone. That ain't coming back. I mean, we, I, I was looking at one of our campaigns. There's $40 a click sometimes, $20 a click sometimes. And in the meantime, Amazon is still taking that take rate as if they don't charge for ads as well. And so they are getting richer, it seems. Um, because they're taking the commission 
on every sale and this massive to the tune of $31 billion in ad revenue, where's the relief for the sellers? When's that coming, James? Do you think it will ever come or is that ship sailed? If I take a frame of reference of the grocery store and the shelf space of the grocery store, there have been slotting fees there forever. And when Amazon first started, there weren't really any slotting fees. Yes, you had to pay a selling commission just like you do today, but you didn't really pay for better placement on the shelf. You didn't pay to have an end of aisle display. You didn't pay for any of that stuff. And as Amazon recruited more and more people from traditional retail who understood not only was their appetite for brands to get that kind of placement, but they were they had big slush funds available that you could tap into to get those dollars. You know, it inherently makes sense that Amazon would want to get a piece of that action. And so if we think of Amazon, the good old days versus where it is today, yeah, it's easy to say, I don't like the model now because in the old days, I didn't have to spend as much. It wasn't as difficult to compete because there was two other companies in my subcategory. Yeah, things have changed an awful lot. I guess, you know, short of, you know, I, I'm not really here to complain or congratulate Amazon on anything. I just I acknowledge the fact that things have changed a lot. But quite frankly, as if a brand wants access to a crazy number of customers and they show up on day one and they're doing that in a physical retail channel, they're either giving up so much margin to the retailer or they're buying out every billboard in 20 miles of the retail store that it's going to get really expensive. At the yeah. end of the day, Amazon's fortunate and aggressive in making sure that they participate in every part of, of that value chain so they make money all along the way. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which product the customer ultimately buys as long as the customer sees all the selections, sees the ads, decides to buy something, and hopefully it's through Prime. You know, Amazon's going to make money all along the way. And I don't think that's yeah. going to change anytime soon. I think uh, just just as seven, eight years ago, Amazon started to get very aggressive in recruiting overseas sellers. They're going to continue to find new overseas sellers that bring new selection. We don't need 500 Bluetooth speakers on Amazon, but Amazon's going to go find the 501st Bluetooth speaker seller. As long as that seller says, I'm prepared to participate in this Amazon channel that has these cost structures, this competitive situation, you know, Amazon says, great, there's no real marginal cost for us to throw your product up into the catalog. Speaking of change, yeah. and you know, James, I always love it when you drop an email in my inbox because I always know there's like a news story that's coming out on Amazon. This, this, um, this buy with Prime thing. Yep is very, very interesting. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tee it up for you. So Amazon, most recent report, depending on who you talk to, has 50, 50 to 56% of the online market share. So you got, you got Walmart hovering around six to 7% of the online market share. But then you've got this interesting thing that's not really a marketplace called Shopify that is growing very rapidly, that all of the sudden, has about $170 billion in GMV from its brands that are running merchant fees and, and um, you know, sales through these individual e-commerce platforms. And I think it was last year, Amazon purchased a company called Sells out of Australia. And I thought, there it is. Amazon's for sure. I think, I think that came in, we had a little email exchange on that, I think a year and a half ago. They came out and they said, we're going to buy this SaaS e-commerce platform that was, 
I don't know if it was equivalent or not. I never used the product, but it, you say you could call it a, a Shopify-like tool or a big commerce-like SaaS e-commerce platform. And I thought, here it comes. Amazon's going to turn that forward and they're going to go after that Shopify market share. Of course, last week they just shut it down. Yep. And that's not to say that they don't have the software still to be able to spin this up, but then Buy With Prime comes out. Yeah. And James, what do we make of this? For those of you who don't know, Buy With Prime is allows a e-commerce seller with from their own website, if they have inventory placed in Amazon's FBA shop, to place a Prime badge on their listing on their own website. James, it's the first time we've ever heard about this. I've teed this up a little bit for you. Where is this going? So what is Amazon really good at doing? They're good at scaling things. They, they scaled out their website. And when they couldn't scale any further with third-party providers, they said, let's go build this thing that turned into AWS. When they said, we need to figure out how to scale our last mile logistics, they decided to go build their own capabilities and built out you know, what is now known as the other Amazon DSP, the delivery service platform. And so you've got a situation where Amazon, first and foremost, needs to keep building and scaling the services that are needed to deliver on the prime promise. And one of those components is building out warehouse space and building out the logistics to support the warehouse space. And Amazon had to ramp up that capacity in a crazy way as soon as COVID kicked in. And quite frankly, they were just as surprised as everybody else, just how much demand was going to come in through prime. And they had to uh, tweak things and figure out how do we catch up with the demand for, for prime. They built a bunch of warehouse space. They continue to build warehouse space every year. Now they're saying, oh, we may have a little bit too much warehouse space for where we are today. But let's keep in mind, what is it, 30% growth in FBA year after year on, a, on a, the last 10-year basis. Amazon will be able to fill the warehouse space they have today at some point. And they could fill it today just by changing the rules around what products they allow into FBA. But with sure. the constraints they put in place, they're saying they have extra capacity. Well, extra capacity, yes, you want to fill extra capacity, but having extra capacity in a way means that Amazon has built scale, which means the average cost of being able to do a single order or being able to hold a single unit of product in a warehouse, those costs have gone down because Amazon's built this wildly huge scale. So when we think about how, what's Amazon doing to keep the costs of FBA and the cost of Prime lower than what it would otherwise be if they didn't have scale, you got to have scale. If you have scale, you lower the costs. So um, I don't think it's a bad thing that Amazon has a little bit too much warehouse space. As I, as I say, they, they will fill that at some point one way or the other, either through existing uh, 1P and 3P selection, or in this case, by them saying, well, wait a minute, we've got some extra capacity. Let's figure out what to do with it. The analysts and the, the newspaper folks are all up in arms saying, well, Amazon's doing this because it's a way for them to unfairly create advantage by collecting data on what's happening with, with other marketplaces like or other mark e-commerce sites like Shopify. And yes, you know, for, for, for the, what is now the, the largest alternative collection of, of sellers out there, it's going to be the Shopify platform, if I can call it that. So I understand why Amazon's offering uh, that extra capacity through this buy with prime option. But it's also Amazon recognizing we need to be where customers are, not just where Amazon customers are. And there are brands mm. that obviously have sales beyond just Amazon. So if fulfillment and returns management 
are two of the biggest frustrations for brands. And Amazon's got lots of it. In fact, they've got so much capacity in both those fronts. Why not offer that as a service? Totally makes sense. Um, we, we, we can sit here and hypothesize, was this designed specifically to go after Shopify? Or was it designed to go after all non-Amazon channels where e-commerce customers may be participating in buying stuff? And the, the retailers and brands may not necessarily be as good as Amazon at handling logistics and returns. At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. Um, yeah. Amazon wants to be able to continue to scale its logistics out. They want to be able to continue to drive down the unit cost of every piece of inventory they handle for inbound inventory or for outbound, you know, prime eligible shipments. Amazon needs to keep doing this. So they need excess capacity. They're just finding a clever way to, to use it, um, in this case, but by way of creating a new offering. Now, if, I, if I'm a Shopify seller, and I also happen to be an Amazon seller, and I see this and I say, great, I know how easy it is to scale my business using FBA. Wouldn't it be great for me to not have to go and find a 3PL and split inventory and do all this stuff that I've had to do to build up my Shopify site? Buy with Prime looks like a great option. And quite frankly, for sellers that um, were overwhelmed with returns in Q4, they know the frustration that's that's dealt to them by having to deal with all this bits and bobs of stuff that comes back in January and February. So uh, buy with Prime is definitely going to be an enticing offer for brands that already have an existing uh, experience with FBA. But, and it's the big but, and I'll stop there before I get into that. But uh, the, the way I think about it from a logical Amazon perspective, I see why they're offering this. Even if we don't get into, you know, all the, well, they're really trying to use their advantages against others. Maybe yes, maybe no, but it doesn't really matter because I don't think too many people would disagree with the comment that Amazon's better at doing package shipment than just about anybody, anybody. else out there. And so yeah, wouldn't it be certainly, great for certainly them? Final mile. Let's take no that question. let's take that service and let's yeah. make it available for other types of organizations or customers who might want to get that same experience on non-Amazon purchases, wouldn't it be great to have that high level of of uh, of, of of you know performance co- coming out of coming out of those other orders? So I'll stop you know, there for a moment. You know, fascinating discussion, right? Um, I, I think that this is one of the first examples too. Well, maybe the second, if you consider Prime Video, where this Prime, the value of this Prime membership is now transcending the dot-com platform <laughs> and you can lump up Prime Video in that as well. I, You know, back in the day, we used to think that the Costco membership was like the coolest thing ever. They hardly make any money on their products, but they make so much money in this membership. There's nothing like it. I think Prime has surpassed it. I mean, not to take anything away from Costco. You know, you you can't take away my Prime account nor my Costco card, James. That's I'm not giving those up, right? They're both really strong memberships, but I think it's it's just fascinating that they're doing it. And it does seem... It does seem like to me, in my opinion, that this is a backdoor way to come and pay attention to that very significant market share that that Shopify is eating up right now in the e-commerce space. Now, you agree with that or you disagree? I mean, let, let me let me ask another way, James, yeah. before you answer. Yeah. Is Amazon paying attention to the GMV that Shopify is bringing in? Because I think they are. I think they are. But but some of this comes down to the whole question of discoverability. How much selection is on Shopify that isn't already on Amazon? Or 
how much generic selection is on Shopify that Amazon isn't already bidding for those very same keywords for products that they already have on Amazon. And so to the extent that a customer is doing product search on Google, lo and behold, they're not searching on Amazon, but they're actually going to Google. Chances are there's already an Amazon product listing that's showing up very much at the top of the page. Guaranteed. And, and so Guaranteed. It, it's not just yeah. about we're going after the revenue for products that uh, very specific products that may not otherwise be on uh, on Amazon. I, I, I think at some level, Amazon's not going to take back the Shopify revenue. Instead, they're going to participate in being able to uh, add a service to all of that revenue. So they're, they're going to essentially become, you know, like the, the consultant to the number two competitor. So don't don't necessarily take over that business, but make sure that you participate. And as your competitor grows, you also have the opportunity to enjoy the growth that comes from that. This is a very, very clever way to do yeah. that. Yeah. If I could, though, one of the things that I haven't seen very many people talk about with regards to the buy with Prime uh, discussion is the fact that if you as a seller want to implement buy with Prime on your website today, it comes with one very important restriction, which is you must also install Amazon Pay on your website. It doesn't mean right. you, it doesn't mean you have to get, exclude other payment systems, but you have to at least include Amazon Pay as an option on your website. And so, for example, if you're a Shopify seller today, and let's just say that you're using PayPal, that's your that's your shopping cart of choice, or you're using Square, Stripe, or and there's so many payment services now, but you're not using Amazon Pay but you're using some other fulfillment system and you say, you know what? I could do much better by my customers by putting buy with prime in place. Lo and behold, you're going to have to install Amazon pay on your website as well. So now Amazon gets to participate in the payment side of the equation, as well as in the fulfillment side of the equation. And I I've seen many situations where as soon as you add the Amazon pay option on your own website, a disproportionate number of customers will use the Amazon Pay option to make payments because, quite frankly, they don't want to have to give their credit card information to a website they may never have purchased from in the past, and they trust that Amazon's going to do right by them. And so uh, Amazon will make money on the pay side. Amazon will make money on the fulfillment side. That's good for Amazon. So is this a good thing for Shopify? And th th this, I think, is you, the real you, you, beat me, you beat me to that question. It's a great question. And, you know, I just want to highlight for a second what you're saying. You know, Shopify's revenue stream for a very long time has been payment processing. Yes, it has been. So, yep. so, so what you have highlighted here is, is, in my mind, and you've already thought about it, a significant threat to that payment processing revenue because... You know, so so let's let's ask the question that you just asked. Should Shopify allow hmm. the buy with Prime badge on its Shopify stores? Put your Shopify hat on for a second. Pretend you're Toby. So, before I answer that question, I, I want to look into the future and say, forget forget about buy with Prime. Let's imagine a world where buy buy with Prime wasn't available, and I'm a brand today. My products are on Amazon, be it through a first-party relationship, a direct third-party relationship. Maybe I have a 2P reseller representing my brand. But uh, my products are on Amazon. Amazon customers can get that product through Prime. Amazon says, you know what? 
two-day prime isn't good enough. We're going to start working on one-day prime, and we're going to reset expectations among consumers that anything less than one day, that's garbage. You know, you need to you need to start to want instantaneous consumption and get stuff within one day. Okay, so we fast forward two years, and now brands are in a situation where if their products are sold on Amazon, customers have come to expect they're going to get stuff within roughly a day. The brand says, you know what? We don't like putting all of these products on Amazon. We're going to go build our own direct-to-consumer site, and we're going to aim to try to carve away some of the demand that's on Amazon and capture that through our direct-to-consumer site. Okay, so the brand says, we're going to go get a 3PL to help us. We're going to get you know a 3PL that's got locations all over the country so we can do some kind of faster delivery than shipping it all out of one location. Which, by the way, is a pain in the neck. I have done that multiple times in my career. It's not easy to do. Go ahead. There, there are very, very few logistics and fulfillment companies today that not only have enough locations properly distributed across the country, but but have the uh, capabilities to get the products out to customers within two to three days. But Amazon's already doing, or is going to be in a position fairly soon to be able to do one day fairly consistently. And so if I'm a customer and I can buy it on Amazon and get it within one day, or I can track down the brand's direct-to-consumer site and get it within two to three days, I hope, I think part of the play here is Amazon recognizing customers will have become so acclimated to one-day delivery that as long as Amazon's basically the only carrier out there or the only logistics company out there that can provide one day, why not offer that to anybody who wants it? Of yeah. course, it comes at a cost. And so now the question Shopify has to be asking itself is, do we want to accept this situation that is suboptimal in the long run, but gives us time for us to make investments and potentially trying to replicate some sort of a one-day delivery network of our own across the country? Or do you wait two years, three years before Shopify actually gets the whole thing built themselves at which point Amazon has only made it harder for brands to try to peel off of Amazon and do their direct-to-consumer site that actually has viable one-day delivery options. So just as Amazon often learns from other companies, and once they've learned enough, they go and build it themselves, I right. see this as a situation where Shopify may have to accept the fact, yeah, you know, we're not very good at doing one-day delivery or providing that service to all of our sellers. Somebody else, albeit Amazon, somebody else is going to provide that and at least allow our brands to be able to compete better with uh, Amazon in terms of giving customers fast delivery capabilities. Even though we don't want that to happen long term, we need time and more money to be able to build out that capability to be able to offer it to our, to our sellers ourselves. I could see a model where if Shopify had the investment capital, and, and the primary focus of we need to build out last mile logistics, or I guess it's more than last mile logistics, but it's, it's you know, 3PLing plus last mile logistics to be able to support one to let's say two day delivery consistently across the country. Only at that point is the Shopify site actually in a position to compete for Amazon customers who have already come, become acclimated to the one day delivery model. That's, that's a big problem. And, and yeah. I think I think it's better to say we're going to allow this other company to come in and provide this service, even though it's not a good long-term solution. For the time being, while we wait and figure out how to build this out ourselves, 
we need to make sure that we, we do have some kind of an offering. Otherwise, we're just not going to be able to get brands to build out meaningful direct-to-consumer sites on a Shopify platform. Because that logistics delivery to the door component is so helpful for sellers to be able to grow and expand, just like you guys figured out when you were still at Amazon, you know, there was this big growth curve and then it sort of flattened off because they couldn't carry the inventory. And, and the guy that was in the warehouse kept getting his hand chopped off by the air pillow machine, right? And it's like all these things were preventing them from growing. And so it, it's interesting. So if I if I could summarize yeah, here, James, yeah. what you're saying, if you're Toby and you got the cool hat like he wears, you know, the Shopify guy, um, then you're going to allow buy with Prime on the Shopify stores now. Learn as much as you can. Continue to build out your fulfillment. Yep. You're kind of damned if you do. You're really damned if you don't yep. as well. Yep. So you think that's what... It's fa- I think they've really painted him in a corner. I think they've painted Shopify in a corner. And, so, so, so let's you know, let's go back pre-COVID. Amazon yeah. Amazon told the world we're going to move towards one day delivery. They told the yep. world that, and they told yep. Amazon sellers, you know, if you're doing seller fulfilled Prime, you can't do that anymore unless you get at least a certain percent of your seller fulfilled Prime orders to customers within one day. They they announced that over two years ago, and yeah. It's coming. That that tells me. I agree with you completely. You know, brands have already been basically given the heads up. Other marketplaces, other platforms have been told uh, that's where the puck is going. We need to go there because customers are going to become so comfortable with one day delivery that if we don't figure out a way to fight that and be able to compete effectively with that, then gosh, we're going to lose anyways. And Shopify was already losing two years ago when Amazon made that announcement. And two years has gone by. And I'm not sure that Shopify has meaningfully addressed that. They they, they did just yeah. buy deliver. I get that. But even, yeah. even with one delivery company, the size of FBA compared to, say, deliver, FBA is oodles times bigger than what deliver yeah. can support today. And uh, whether it's delivery, you know, I, whether it's some other 3PL network that, that a Shopify seller is using, we, we know that we have to get towards one day delivery for customers to be comfortable buying on Shopify versus buying on Amazon. I, I completely agree. You know, it's funny. You see these, um, you know, their quarterly reports and Shopify comes out and says, we're going to make a huge commitment into fulfillment. We're going to spend $1 billion, right, on fulfillment in the next two years, not even a year, James, in the next two years to build out our fulfillment network. Well, guess what? Amazon just spent a hundred billion during COVID. How in the world can they compete with that? And look, your point on deliver, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I don't think there is a scenario where Shopify can build out the kind of logistics network to even catch up or meaningfully catch up with Amazon. Deliver is a fascinating company, but they're asset light. Do you think that the cost structure on their asset light structure is the same as robots skimming around? You and I have both been to these warehouses. They're amazing. Yeah. They're not warehouses. They're they're robotics software marvels is what they are. And can you, if you don't have your own warehouse and your own robots and your own technology and your own AI and your own AWS, can you meaningfully have a lower cost structure for storing, picking, packing, and delivering packages? I, I, I don't think you can. So the question is, well, two questions. The first question is, if that's the case, mm-hmm. there's still a home for Shopify here? Are there still going to be those brands that are just giving the bird to Amazon because they hate them and that'll just be happy having their 
their selection with two to four day delivery on Amazon or has Amazon already won? Okay. So the question comes down to why do brands need a Shopify or a Shopify site or something like Shopify? I think it comes down to Amazon doesn't do a lot of things particularly well, like educate consumers on the brand and give the customer lots of time to learn about the brand and watch multiple videos and experience all sorts of information and testimonials and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Amazon has a few bits and pieces, but if I want to tell my brand story and I want to do it in a um, systematic, uh, longer, longer process than just sort of like, hey, we're a widget and we're right here and we're prime eligible and we're $14 and you can get it tomorrow. That's that's very different than I want to tell you the, the history of our company. I want to tell you what we're all about. I want to tell you all the good stuff that goes Brand into the story, the origin a- absolutely, story, the emotional connection. Absolutely. Right. So uh, yeah. th- there's a need for a Shopify site for a brand. And I say Shopify, it, it could be a big commerce site. It could be a Magento site. But, yeah. but there's, there's a demand for brands to be able to tell their story in a way that they want to tell the story, not in the uh, New York Minute approach that you have to use on Amazon to get your point across. But you know, you, you can do it in, in a more relaxed, uh, customized manner if you have your own Shopify site. That's That's not necessarily the same thing as and will you sell a bunch of stuff on the Shopify site? But right. if you choose to sell a bunch of stuff as well on the Shopify site, then you've got to be at least in the game with what the key competitors are able to offer around any other type of e-commerce transaction. And that's going to come down to really fast, high-performance delivery. And that's not something that a lot of Shopify sellers have, have been able to, to, to make available. And certainly one of the biggest challenges for any of these uh, platforms like Shopify is the consistency of one seller versus another. You know, one Shopify seller is may, working with one 3PL and they've got stuff, you know, we'll get it to you in five to seven days, we hope. Then you got another seller who's got a bunch of locations across the country and, you know, typically they get two to three days. If I'm trying, if I'm Shopify executives and I'm trying to offer a, a high quality, consistent experience across all the different sites on my platform, it's very, very hard to do that today. And, and so the, the amusing thing about the buy with Prime option is that sellers can decide to implement this right away and they don't have to really wait for Shopify to say yay or nay. It, it, like, it can be rolled out. You just put it into your code and you're off to the yeah. races. The, yeah. the challenge of two or three years going by and Shopify continuing to invest in building out logistics and so on is that what they ultimately end up building may not necessarily be as good as whatever the, the, the version of Buy with Prime looks like in two to three years from now. And it'll be interesting to see if Shopify finds a way to actually turn off the ability of their individual merchants to implement Buy with Prime on the site. Um, there, there's all sorts of interesting anti-competitive issues with that. Um, and, you know, funny, uh, interesting. funny to be talking about Amazon with all these, yeah. you know, antitrust stuff. But if Shopify yeah. limits which types of fulfillment capabilities one of their own retailers can offer, you know, what are the long-term implications of that? I don't know. Um, Fascinating. If, if there's been a huge adoption of buy with, buy with Prime in the next two years, and all of a sudden overnight, you know, by the end of this month, we're turning it off. None of you are allowed to use this. Otherwise, we turn you off the Shopify site. I don't know what happens. Right, but, right. But again, you know, consumers are going to come to expect fast delivery 
of whatever it is yep. they want, no matter where they, they live in the country, it. they need it. It's like a God-given right at this point. Remember when everyone laughed when Amazon said two-day shipping is going to be free? Nobody needs their stuff in two days, James. This is never going to work. Remember those naysayers? Now they, they can't live without it. You're absolutely right. But there's more, right? I mean, I, I, I think you're right. Shopify has to accept this. Forget the legal stuff aside, which is a fascinating topic. Maybe you'll come back and we'll talk about that one if, if that sort of emerges as a, as a growing story. But if Shopify says to its sellers, who many of which are also selling on Amazon, even they, though they won't want to admit it, right. say, no, you can't use buy with Prime on Shopify, that's going to be a really good day for big commerce's stock. Look, I think big commerce is a really great SaaS e-commerce platform and they 100% will allow buy with commerce. So they really are painted into a corner. And, you know, the second question I was going to ask about this, James, is I've heard this story before. Hey, Jason, we want you to sell to us through the third party seller marketplace. And there's a firewall between the data that we get for you selling on the Amazon platform and the Amazon buyers. None of that information about, about your products, about your costs, or any of that stuff is going to make its way over to our buyers. You're totally safe. Well, we all know how that story ends. All of that was going on all of the time, all over the world. And so I know that that's a big concern from some folks yeah. who are driving traffic via Facebook or Google or other manner to their website to get the sale. Yep. Should those sellers be concerned that Amazon's going to take their well, if it's pay with Amazon, they're going to get a lot of that data. They're going to get all of their customer data. Should those e-commerce sellers be concerned or is it a nothing burger? I, I don't know because at this point, I don't know what data is meaning. By the way, I anymore. love it when you have a long pause because I know something's good coming when you have that. I know that long pause, James. I love it. Go ahead. So, so to, to quote language that Amazon has on the buy with Prime site, <laughs> Merchants that sell on Amazon.com are not required to have price and selection parity with their Amazon.com listings. So you use you use Buy with Prime, and you decide, gosh darn it, I can actually sell my products cheaper through my Shopify site because I don't have to pay certain types of fees I pay on Amazon. I, I'm going to start selling my product at a lower price. Have you just made it easier for Amazon that's already actively scraping your site anyways? Just made it easier for them to see, well, actually... You're selling it lower, and so we're just going to suppress your buy box on Amazon, anyways. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I also kind of wonder, like, yes. what information yes. does Amazon not? That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> what, what, what information does Amazon not already know about what's happening external to uh, their own website? Ah, that's a good point. And you know, even if they take all this data in aggregate and say we're not going to look at particular Shopify sellers' data, but instead look at it in aggregate, I'm sure Amazon would love to understand. What is it that causes customers to not buy stuff on Amazon when they're already a prime customer or they're already an active Amazon customer? How, how can Amazon tweak the experience on Amazon to make it more interesting for customers to A, be able to find the products they might otherwise find on a Shopify site or B, yeah. create some sort of a rich learning experience that you know a Shopify site is going to be able to offer in, in a better way than Amazon? You know, I, I think those kind of macro issues Amazon would love to understand better because it makes it as a platform better able to compete with any other platform. Right. Um, historically, we've we've thought about Amazon using specific sellers' data or specific customers' information and using that in ways that 
no regulators get worried about. I actually think it's the aggregate macro type questions that we talked about a moment ago that are, that are going to be much more interesting for Amazon to figure out. They, they tried web store themselves multiple right. times back in the, yep. in the, in the aughts and it, it didn't work. Now I worked with some yep. of the Amazon web store folks and everybody thought that was going to be the way that you get customers to launch their own websites. I say customers, sorry, Amazon sellers to launch their own websites outside of Amazon. I had one. It wasn't very good. It didn't work. Shopify yeah. came along and I guess they had enough things that were different that that was exciting. But yeah. at, at this point, uh, and I, I've heard you say this before many times yourself, that, that this, one of the best things that Jeff Bezos ever did was convince Wall Street that profits would be sometime long into the future. In the meantime, yeah. double down, invest everything you have into things like FBA and fulfillment centers. I don't know that Shopify is going to have the same luxury. And so to the extent that no. they make profit every year for the next X years, can they actually invest all that back into logistics to try to catch up with a juggernaut like like Prime? It's it's yeah. really hard to see that ever happening. I, I completely agree. And there's another element that we haven't talked about yet that makes this very different, in my opinion, compared to the web store days. Okay. Right? It was a different Amazon back there right? When the web stores was happening, Shopify hadn't proven the model that you can do a lot of GMV um, yet. They did that uh, through a SaaS e-commerce website. And they also, Amazon also didn't have something else. Amazon DSP. They didn't have an advertising platform with first party data that just became infinitely more important because Apple did its thing to Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so think about that for a second. On one hand, you're coming in on your e-commerce store, for, to be a fulfillment provider, right? And then on the other hand, hey, by the way, we're the number three largest ad revenue company um, in, in the United States where 95% of the ads that we offer point in one place, we're gonna now turn those out. So you can use our Amazon ad platform to drive traffic to your buy on Amazon listings on your website. Now we're gonna make money on the merchant we're going to make money on the merchant fees. Now we're going to make money on the fulfillment fees. And we're going to use up some of that excess capacity you're talking about. And also, we're really going to make money. We are really going to make money on advertising. We're going to leapfrog Facebook overnight when we flip that switch. Is that a possibility? Whether Buy With Prime is present or not, Amazon's going to continue to build out DSP using its first-party data. They have better first-party consumption and search data than anybody else. And so they'll continue to leverage that in every possible way, whether it's putting ads on the types of places where sellers might otherwise have put ads to direct people to Shopify sites. Amazon will be sitting there trying to bid up and get, get that placement to drive the traffic back to Amazon product listings. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, again, I want to put all the legal issues aside. Amazon has carefully planted a lot of different seeds and the network effect that's in place now being able to say, we're going to take this and leverage this and build that. You know, there's a lot of things here where inherently you say, well, gosh, how does anybody ultimately compete with Amazon? And the answer is it's really, really hard. Even if you've got yeah. the best fulfillment capability, how do you drive traffic to it better than Amazon? Or if you've got right. the best selection, which, you know, I think Amazon will, Good luck. will have the best, the, the best by, by what I mean is the largest selection. You know, it's yep. all these different dimensions Amazon has invested for 25 years to build out. And so 
these other companies are going to have to do a deal with the devil on some front to say, well, we're going to, we can't be as good as Amazon is on all these different fronts. We're going to figure out how to be at least as good on one or two of these dimensions. And on the other stuff, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not going to be able to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here, here we are in another scenario where is even if you even if you are a brand and you have significant concerns about your customer data being shared and taken by Amazon, what is your option? If there's no other option available to do one day delivery, like you said, and by the way, in my home in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. half of my packages arrive the same day. Some of them, the other half are arriving the next day. There's no two day delivery in, in my area. And I, I suspect that Amazon's quietly building out those capabilities throughout the rest of the United States. And so here we are again, where, you know, you've got to be there. It's a necessary evil. And Amazon is literally too big to fail, even if they terrify you. Yeah. You've got to be there and you've got to do that. And Shopify, back to your back to your question about will their investors have the intestinal fortitude to hang in there with them as they invest $20 billion a year? I don't think they they can. And what don't they have, James, to help salve that wound of that enormous investment that they will need to make? in order to build that 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 first class uh, fulfillment network, they don't have any ad revenue. Nothing to speak of. At least Walmart is now bringing in billions of dollars in ad revenue, right? And they've got, you know, forward-leaning stores. Shopify, boy, they just, I just feel like Amazon has literally put them in check. It's not checkmate. They're not going away, but they have really put them in check on the chessboard and they're three steps, four steps ahead of them. I don't know. I'm going to have to think offline more about this, but the, the question around what should brands expect that they can get out of their Shopify site today versus what they can get in two years from now, while Amazon continues to improve so many of its capabilities, you know, I think there will be a natural evolution of the use of a Shopify site, why a brand needs a Shopify site and what they can expect to get out of it. I think that's going to continue to change and it's going to continue to change in a way that only favors Amazon. <laughs> that's right. We're going to end on that, James, okay. at least on that, on that Shopify, Amazon to be continued discussion. I'm really looking forward to having you back on as these stories continue to unfold, but let's talk about you for a second. You have done an amazing job, founder of the Prosper show, uh, which you had a, a, a great exit there a couple of years ago. You've, you co-founded, um, buy box experts and you just stepped down. What is on the horizon for my good friend, James Thompson, besides hopefully more fishing trips? I'm going to be available for webinars with you on a weekly basis. If you're so inclined. excellent, no, I'm done. Let's do it. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, there comes, there comes, there comes a point in every entrepreneur's life where you say, I haven't run out of ideas, but I need a break. And that's kind of where I am right now. I need a break. And, you know, and the James, creative juices are still there. Break, so if anyone deserves a break, it's you. Look, on behalf of all the sellers out there in Amazon, I want to thank you for all that you have done. And I have no doubt will continue to do. I think that the lives of sellers and brands out there as they, as they try to navigate this Amazon jungle uh, are, are infinitely better and easier because of all of the hard work you've put in over the years. Thank you for being my very first guest on the day two podcast. I wouldn't have imagined anyone else being my first guest. Thank you for your insights. And, um, you know, let's, let's plan that next fishing trip together. Okay, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on today, Jason. Thank you, James. Thank you.